Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Sonia, hello. Hi, how are you? Yeah, I'm great, thank you. Thanks so much for taking time out of your extremely busy schedule to come on ADHD Chatter. Um, There's so many places that we could start with you. You seem to be, you've done so much and you're doing so much still. For continuity, I always like to start at the same place with my guests, and that's right at the beginning. And the question is... What's your earliest memory of showing ADHD traits? Okay. Um, do you want the honest truth? Uh, we, want, we want the honest truth, yeah. Do you know my earliest memory, and I don't think I've ever shared this with anyone, is um, when I was in primary school, I was staying in an art class after school. And just for context, I'm like a studious person. I'm a straight A student. A, B, right? Depending on like what time of the year it was (laughs) and um I was always disciplined to some extent but I don't know what came over me and I remember just a bunch of people were like climbing on the tables and just you know being there at that point it wasn't like you're trying to dance on the tables I think you're just trying to be destructive on the tables and I didn't think twice and I did it too but then I remember my teacher coming and only seeing me doing it and then I got kicked out of art class That is probably my earliest memory now that I've started learning about ADHD and I go back to, hey, wait, hold on. Why did you even do that action? Why was it so impulsive? Why didn't you think twice? And what was the consequence of that? Um, And I think outside of that one not so isolated moment now, the earliest memories I have is just talking and nonstop talking, like opinions and chatter, but just not thinking before you speak. And, you know, I, it used to be like, haha, Sonia's doing it again. But actually it, it came from a place of, I w- it wasn't ever something I was controlling. If anything, now as an adult, I'm trying to think before I speak. And it's not something I was proud of, but it was just, you know, I think naturally I was quite an activist from mm. inside. Um, and maybe the third point to, to note on that is I've always or at least my family will tell you, um, I've always been a little bit temperamental. And I think, well, it's not I think, now I'm doing the research. Mm. Turns out all three examples are of somebody who has had ADHD as a child or their whole life, 
but has been either masking it or it's been masked by other people based on your efforts, your discipline, your grades, you being gifted and talented, you being just just the other, basically. Mm. Yeah, totally fascinating and so relatable to me personally and I'm sure to people listening. Did you have any awareness that you were acting out or you were perhaps operating in a way that made you stand out from your classmates? So I would say to the first, no. To the second, absolutely. I have always been different and I've always been othered and I've always been the quirky, weird and yet feisty, confident, studious, you know, girl on the side. So I've always been different. And actually, it's funny because it's only recently that I've acknowledged this ADHD, but my difference has put me in such uncomfortable situations that now I use it as my superpower. So I'm like, I am, yes, I'm different. And my brain works differently. And you know what, at this point in my life, if you can't see the bigger vision, that's okay. Rather than me trying to prove it to you, I'm just going to go and do it. And I think that's what's made me so successful is from a very young age, I've gone on either extremes, right? I've even gone like I was a people pleaser. So it's, oh my God, I want everyone to like me too. Okay, eventually I'm tired of trying to make you like me. I'm just going to go do what, do what I want. And then I was on the spectrum of either you're people pleasing or you just don't care. And I, I've never really found a middle, which is weird, right? Because I'm a Libra. So everyone's like, oh, you must be balanced. I'm like, absolutely not. If anything, I'm the kind of Libra that the scales are just trying to be balanced, but it's never quite <laughs> getting there. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, I've, I've always been, and I've, I've, I've always just been a little bit me. Mm. I love how you're just so unashamed, unashamedly, you own it. You completely own it. And it yeah. sounds like that ownage has got stronger as you've got a little bit more aware. I mean, it, you, you the, the people-pleasing element, perhaps when you were younger, now you might know that that's something that you're doing subconsciously. Perhaps that's masking, who knows? Um, but actually that might have been holding you back. And now you're sort of just so confidently pushing that element away. That's now perhaps why you've had so much success in, in, in so many areas. Before we move on to what you're doing now, and it's so inspiring to hear you speak in the way you are, is is so so impressive, and that's why I was so excited for this conversation. Do you remember what your school report said about you? Oh yes, yes I do. And actually, funny enough, just today I emailed all of my schools um, saying, you know what, I study here during this period, and since then I've done X, Y, Z, and now I do Y but I want to come back and do ABC for your organization. And I, I jumped in a call with one of my um, kind of prior teachers and even they were laughing and saying, well, we always knew you were going to do something, but it was really hard to shut you up. And I was like, <laughs> yes, you know, that was my constant report was gets the work done. If I'm passionate and entertained about it or with it, at least um, I, I will thrive. If you're, giving me autonomy, I will thrive. But when it came to talking in class, I think that was where I really got my C's just generally. But that's how it shows up in women, especially women of color. And I think, you know, being a South Asian woman, I've always been in spaces where I've been the other. So I've 
acknowledge that I've accepted it. If anything, I, I, I use it to my own advantage, but equally because I've got the grades and I was really friendly with the teachers and I was really nice to my, you know, colleagues and I love to network and I was always trying to bring people in a sense of community. It becomes really hard to be in that box or suspended or kicked out of school because you are actually creating a thriving environment in the school. It's just, you have your own kind of fundamental challenges, which, you know, as per the name of this podcast is ADHD chatter. The chatter is basically what I live and breathe. And then, and then you just, you just carry on through. Mm, so impressive and well done for, for going back to your school and, and reaching out to them. Cause I think that's so important for people like yourself to show that the stigma is a lot of, is a load of rubbish. Mm-hmm. And it's so inspiring because so many young people, I think, still think that ADHD simply means that you're going to forget your car keys and and be late all the time and all, all negative. So for you to go back and into your schools and to show them how it can manifest in a positive way is, is really remarkable. And especially, like you said, it, it can show up very differently in women. How do you think, and this is a big question, um, and you don't need to, you can be as broad or as precise as you like. How do you think it shows up in your in you? Basically, recently, and I say recently in the last maybe few years, I've been taking myself on a lot of dates and I've been dating Sonia again, which I think for some people listening is going to be really weird. But what I've realized is throughout my whole life, so I've just turned 30, I kind of spent 30 years as somebody else. And it's and what I mean by that is I haven't been the full version of me and I haven't given myself the time, the love, the, the freedom to explore and to enjoy Yes, I've done a lot in terms of successes, which we'll get on to, but I don't know if that came from a place of I know myself or it came from a place of I was trying to prove it to other people. And that that kind of is something I'm exploring. But now on reflection, I think it showed up in me as 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 I was fairly destructive, but not in my own family. And I and I believe that's because I, I grew up in a very and I still I'm still very grateful and blessed is my family accepted me. And so when you have acceptance from your own foundations and your family, the the one thing my parents always said is, if you make a mistake outward, or if something is going wrong, as long as you tell us first, it will all be okay. And I've lived by that rule even today. So I'm 30 and I message my parents hello every morning and I tell them what's going on. And if I'm moving one place and another, they know, right? I'm very much in tune and communicate. So communication was key. My family encouraged me to be curious all the time and I'm the eldest of four siblings. So we always had a community and a collaborative approach from day one. And I take that role really seriously. But when you went out to the world, my ADHD showed up in, in, in various ways. One was I don't like disrespect. And so when I felt disrespected, or especially when one of my family members were disrespected, I would just, my brain would go on fire, right? And I would just be temperamental. And I'd be, you, you at that point, there was really no stopping me. Um, secondly, yes, we've spoken about the chatter and the talkative nature, but I think a lot of the time when I was younger, it was just, I was, I was kind of spewing noise. And what I mean by that is now, now I'm able to know, okay, these are my skill sets and these are my learned behaviors. And these are the topics that I actually am an expert in. And so I'm relearning to listen and just say, you know what, Alex, you've made a great point. I'm not really sure. I know enough about that to comment. So I'm just going to take a step back. And when I was younger, I didn't need to take a step back. I think otherwise, a lot of the sports that I liked was slightly more on the letting your aggression outside. So I did like kickboxing and boxing and, you know, jogging and just, I was, I was fairly tomboyish. Um, I've always had ideas. 
And one way that my ADHD manifests is that I'm full of ideas as a person. But the problem is that when I have an idea, I can't knock back or stop the first idea before I go on to the second one. So I need to execute and execute and execute. Now, I'm not a great closer, right? That's not my like forte, but I have an idea. I don't have the fear of trying. What I have is once I've done it the first, second or third time and I have to go back and repeat it, that's when my fear kicks in. But it's not at the beginning. Like, I don't really have a fear of failure. I don't have a fear of rejection. What I have is maybe that fear of like repeat success. Like once you've done it, you need to prove it that it works again. And outside of that, it was just the way that I thought and it was quite creative. And I have to admit that when I was in school and especially like when I went during GCSE level, it was either you pick art or you pick maths, right? It was like, you're either one or. But I think the great thing about ADHD and maybe the way that it manifests in my life is I'm like, I, I can see the logic, but I can also see the beauty on experiments and I'm super creative. And until a few years ago, I didn't acknowledge or accept that I was creative because it felt like the roles that I was doing in the workplace and the kind of person I was becoming was like pragmatic and logical and realistic. Turns out I'm not really any of those things. I'm creative and I'm outspoken outspoken, and I'm ready to experiment. And that, you know, in, in summary, I think are a few instances in how ADHD showed up in my life. And I think to your earlier point about me acknowledging it and me accepting it, well, that's because one, I've had a really terrible time in the workplace, which we can get onto, which has made me maybe accelerate my acceptance quite quickly. The second is I come from a, an amazing family who have never treated me any differently to, to the rest of their kids. Um, and maybe because we all as, as siblings have, have, you know, uh, neurodiverse brains. And it's really important for me to make that clear because I, I don't really like the word neurodiverse given that everyone's brain is not typical. And so we shouldn't be like, you've got a typical brain and you've got a diverse brain. If, if anything, what we're saying is based on the research that's been conducted, this is the typical brain. And so your brain is different. And that's what neurodiversity is. And I think the third point is once you learn to accept yourself, I've been managing these symptoms since I can remember, right? The earliest memory I shared with you is probably mm. when I was, you know, I think year five. So, so you're, so you're 10 or under. So it's, it's more about the management and the lifestyle. Um, you made a comment earlier about kind of being late and forgetting your keys. I forget stuff, right? So I'm really good at making lists. And I just realized that that was a mechanism for me to manage. I know that if I'm late to something, I'm going to be really late to something. So actually I'm, I'm at stuff about half an hour earlier than I should be. Mm. But again, those are all ways that I've managed it. You touched on so many points there. And I was, I was making notes on my pad here to go back to a couple. Um, just and I'll get to those points like for example you said that you are one of many siblings was your journey through ADHD as a result of spotting it in your family or did they no, recognize I, it I have to give I have to give all credit to my siblings where it's due so I am the eldest of four um, and my younger siblings are the Gen Z's of the world okay mm. so they're a lot more clued on and a lot more woke and a lot more like accepting of these things than maybe my generation, the generation above. And that's because we didn't have the information. We didn't have the characteristics. We didn't have the symptoms. We didn't even have the resources. So I started recognizing I had ADHD to myself and without, without sharing it outwardly in 2018, 2019. But it wasn't a thing then, right? It wasn't like a hoo-ha. It wasn't trending. It was just, if anything, it was, there was a lot of taboo around it. And I felt like 
that I didn't want to go out and say much about it because I also had chronic migraines and I've had chronic migraines since about 2015 or so, right? Like actual really painful ones. So I started recognizing the links between the two and, and doing my own research. It wasn't until what we're in 2023 now that I'm actively openly speaking about it. And that's probably because the representation I see right now in ADHD doesn't re represent me or my story or maybe the woman of color or South Asians or just my own upbringing. So I definitely want to be like, hey, I'm a representative. I, I represent ADHD too. Mm -hmm. And this is how it can manifest in your life. It's not all negative. Like you can do something beautiful with it. But going back to my family, it was actually my younger siblings. Um, so my younger brother and sister who started recognizing it in me and and encouraged me to go down the route of um assessment and taking it seriously and and managing it accordingly um, and i think that strength that we have as a family uh, where recently in the last you know i would say five ten years we've become really comfortable talking about mental health and well-being we're educating our parents as they're educating us we are helping our families to unlearn a lot of their behaviors and relearn new ones as as a collective we believe in the evolution of ourselves as people and we're willing to learn and, you know, and also apologize when something's gone wrong. And so I think my parents have a big part to play in that, but there's no doubt that my siblings have a big part to play in that. And so when I say that we're all neurodiverse, it's because I fundamentally believe that everyone's brain works differently and is different. And so have they gone down the assessment route? That's not necessarily for me to share because, you know, that's everyone's kind of personal story. But they've definitely encouraged me to go down my assessment route. Um, and that's why I'm talking about it today. And, and hopefully for anyone listening is an assessment is just, I, I'm not doing it for the magic, magic pills that I'm going to get, right? I'm not trying to take those. I'm doing it for the validation and reassurance that actually, if I've been going crazy in my own, my own mind for a few years, it's, it's justified and it's validated and I'm reassured that I'm I'm good and I'm well and everything's fine. And also because I want to make sure that if I now have this public profile, which I have, we're demystifying the stigma and we're saying, hey, listen, you can thrive being the best version of yourself that there is possible. And if you don't know how to get there, here are trained individuals who can support you through the system. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So impressive. Like, I think just people here hearing you speak and, and I think it will make people think and they may might just recognize things that you've said. I certainly recognize a lot. You you alluded to earlier the, the, the concept of masking and, and perhaps altering the way you present yourself in various situations in order to to come across as normal, say, quote unquote. Do you do you think that you did use to mask and do you still it's a great question. Now, did I use to mask? Yes. And I will go into examples. Do I now? I think I'm becoming more aware of when I start to mask and I'm bringing myself back. Um, a few ways in which I mask is probably, you know, to some extent, maybe trying to fit into the workplace. I really whitened myself. And for anyone listening, maybe they take reference to that. You know, I even everything from like changing my accent to my interests to laughing at office banter which wasn't funny to feeling like i have to stay out late and feeling guilty for leaving early because you're a part of the team to taking on roles that didn't really serve me or my skill set or my energy but feeling like okay i have to do that because otherwise they're going to find out that i think and breathe differently and so i'm going to let go from the workplace i mean the irony is that i was already let go from the workplace twice right so the masking if anything i tried to mask and i tried to mask maybe so hard that i didn't realize i was masking and then 
eventually I got exhausted from masking because it hurts your brain and it makes you feel tired. And, you know, it, it I'm already, and it, and it brings on other symptoms like depression and anxiety. And, you know, just you start to become un- unhappy with yourself. And there was a point where I was unhappy with myself. I was like, I don't know who I am. I feel like this corporate zombie that's just going in and doing the same thing that everyone else does, but it doesn't serve me. It doesn't suit me. I don't like it. It's not fulfilling. And actually, why are these people not thinking wildly and and differently? And why is it that I have to feel like I'm in this box all the time? And so in summary, I, yes, I used a mask, but then when I used to get tired, um, and maybe that was a few months in, my masking used to unravel and the real me used to come out. And actually, I think at that point in life, the workplace and my friendship group and the people I was around weren't ready for my truest self, even though, you know, they were like, be authentic, but you weren't ready for the authentic Sonia. And so rather than trying to, and this is probably where that people pleasing comes in, trying to people please and trying to fit in, I kind of accept. And I said, you know what, it's fine. I'm, I'm good being in this kind of other little group with the people that really get me and support me and believe in me. And so that's really the, the the foundation of even the work I do right now is I thrived. I've I've completely changed my life in three years because I stopped trying to worry about what others had to say about me. And I started listening to Sonia, do you feel happy and fulfilled? And do you feel like you're managing your calendar? And do you feel like you're doing something that means that you don't have to play that character? I'm not good at playing the game. I'm not good at playing the character. I'm not trying to wear a mask. And you know what? There's 7 billion people in the world. So if, if they don't like you, somebody will eventually. Mm. What you said about masking was super interesting. Being, uh, and it's, I suppose what you said before about when you had the corporate life and you had to be more white, I think is what you said. And you had yeah. to laugh at jokes that you didn't find funny and change your accent. I mean, that's, it's, it's actually quite sad. Um, so when, sad. You, when you look back and you can see, I suppose, now that you've stopped doing that or tried to do it or tried to stop doing it, the trajectory of your personal success has has skyrocketed. I've accepted myself. And you know, a really sad part of that is, and again, this is probably the first time I'm saying it openly and my family listening to this will probably just laugh, um, is that I've lost a little bit of my own ethnic culture and my own foundations. And, and you know, I'm, I'm South Asian and Pakistani. I've lost a little bit of that to try and, I don't know what the right word is, you know, to try and become something I'm not. And that includes losing a little bit of Urdu. And that includes, you know, maybe to some extent being ashamed of of who you are. And that includes being embarrassed about your culture and the way that you are and who you are. And so I find that, you know, the saddest part of this whole experience is that I lost myself, not just a little bit, so much in this whole experience that I felt lonely and isolated, but I also drifted from, from things that really ground me. And now I'm trying to embrace not just me and who I am, but also my ethnicity a lot more and my culture a lot more and my like thisiness as as you say it a lot more because I want to be proud of who I am. But in order to do that, I need to be, I need, I need to like tap back in to, to who I am. And I think that was maybe one of the things that when I came to that reality of, hey, you know, there's that saying where like you're a coconut, where you're brown on the outside and you're white on the inside. But the, the great thing is, not the great, the, sorry, the bad thing is that you're not white enough to be white, you're not brown enough to be brown. And I used to think, well, I don't know what I used to think, but now I realize that that probably is a consequence of me masking so badly and wanting to be accepted so badly that I was happy to, I I, I was just happy to like play that game. Mm. But now, now I'm not. 
Oh, it's amazing to hear. And the, the, the concept of masking is fascinating to me and listening to you describe how it manifested in your experience in the workplace. I mean, did you find that exhausting? Yes, I did. But remember, I also had chronic migraines. And what I mean to say by that is I don't know which one exhausted me more because I was trying to deal with both things at the same time. And what was really exhausting for me, especially in the corporate world, was that people don't believe you. Now, I am I am full of energy. I talk for a living. I've literally made a life out of it, right? I use my hands. I, I'm fairly animated and I, I'm, I'm generally quite like a smiley and happy person. And... You know, I'm like that Duracell buzz bunny, like I can go on, <laughs> but it comes to like 9pm and I'm useless and I need to go to bed and sleep. I'm also very extroverted, but I do need to take a step back and recharge my energies. But the reason I'm sharing all that context is because when I started bringing these to the attention of my managers and my teammates in the workplace, I kid you not, they would say things like, we don't believe you. You don't look like someone who's going through that experience. That's really weird because you're too happy or too smiley to 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 suffer from x y or z and i got it got to the point where they would question why i have to go home they would question my sick days my managers would tell me not to take sick days or management would say you know what we need you to be in the office sitting next to us so that we can see what tasks you're up to and that's where it got exhausting it got exhausting that that people didn't believe you and that that i think was the most exhausting part is why, why is it that everyone's symptom or the way that we, we express things has to be the same or has to be in this like unified you know, profile? And then why is it that if I'm speaking up and I'm saying X, Y, Z is happening and so I need ABC to change just to adapt? Why is it that you feel that it's appropriate for you to say, well, I don't believe you? Like, are you a trained, uh, do, you, do you have the qualifications that are relevant? You know, you don't, you're just mm. another human being saying to another human being that you don't believe me, but because I'm talking about my 20s and my, you know, uh, late 20s when you're, again, people pleasing, when you're trying to fit in and when you're trying to be in in the corporate life and you're just trying to climb the ladder, there's a part of you that starts to believe them as well. And then it becomes really confusing in your own head because you're like, am I making this up? Like, am I going crazy? Or is what I feel actually valid? So the best thing to happen to me was actually being fired from work. Twice, right? The best thing in the world, the best thing. Mm. Um. To be honest, I was I was probably somewhat destructive in the workplace, not knowing that I was so full of ideas and wanting to do new things and, you know, having like a life outside. But equally, I was able to then take control of myself, my calendar, my wishes, my wants, my needs, my skills. And and and, you know, I've and, and, and I'm really good at failing. And I think that's also how ADHD kind of manifests in my life is I'm really good at failing. My God, I probably felt everything I do first to the point where I have a TED talk on it. But you know what the beautiful thing about that is? Because I don't fear the failure, I just get back up and move on. So relatable, the failure thing. And I think that's potentially why so many people with ADHD go into entrepreneurialism Mm -hmm. and find success. Because I imagine all of the things you've had which have been a success, correct me if I'm wrong, might just be the tip of the iceberg of the things you've tried to do. That's the case with me. and I don't want to put words into your mouth, but have you tr- have you failed and failed fast and restarted, and then you do that enough times that you're gonna you're gonna hit the success? Is that kind of how of how it's worked? Yeah, of course. And I think so. My TED talk called "Failure Comes Before Resilience," and imagine you know the irony is I got a TED talk when I failed two workplaces. I failed probation. 
Like I, I fail at every first thing I do, but that's made me stronger. And I think resilience is a muscle, right? It's like when you go to the gym, you need to strengthen it constantly. So I'm very resilient because nothing can knock me down because I've been knocked down in various other ways growing up. Mm. And also I think a big part of that is I'm an elder sister. So I have a lot of responsibility, which I've taken on myself to be like, listen, the world might not be made for us, whatever that version of you is. So let me try and make it a little bit better so that it can be a little bit better for my siblings and they understand and they know that I've got them. And I think that's what's driving me is, it's just, it's just making the world better a little bit, step-by-step, 1% so that the person who feels like they're different feels like they can also thrive. So absolutely, I mean, you know, have I have I succeeded in my business in the way that other people define it? Probably not. Have I succeeded in the way that I define it? Yeah, because I had an idea, which was a silly brunch club, which is now transformed into this global mentoring program and talent consultancy that served over a hundred clients, won multiple awards. Why? Because I had one idea for a brunch club and nobody even showed up to brunch. I've written a book which came from an idea and based on the fact that someone introduced me to a publisher and I was bold enough to be like, yeah, do you know what? I've got a proposal for you when I didn't. What's the worst thing that can happen? They can say no, but they didn't. When the BBC came calling for the radio show, I was actually applying for a PhD in the background. So at 12 o'clock, I failed the PhD, which means I didn't get the scholarship. And at 3 mm. p.m., the BBC said, we want to give you this with this job role, right? And the first 10 episodes, were they the best? Absolutely not. But you weren't afraid to fail really fast, learn from your mistakes, try again, take on feedback, and then just keep on going. And I think that's what ADHD business people and entrepreneurs have in common is we love feedback. The more you tell me, the more I can improve. We're really good at failing because you know what? We are ideas people and we know that we can execute, but we just need to figure out the various ways. We are natural problem solvers. We are very curious in the world. And also we acknowledge that we are, we think differently, which means that you can find a creative solution in a way that others may not be able to. And you have the confidence and the boldness and the pizzazz inside of you to say, you know what, I'm just going to go give it a go. And what's the worst that can happen? Actually, it'll be a no or it'll be a rejection. That's cool. I just try mm. again. I think you've perfectly described how ADHD can manifest in such a positive way. We're so, we, we can see patterns where other people can see chaos. And you've mentioned the, you fail fast, uh, totally relatable to me. And I imagine to lots of people listening. And then you can actually look back at all the, the failures and you can get so much data from those experiences, which Absolutely. you can then take on to your next venture. But one thing you said is you, you, the chaos. Now, I don't see chaos. Does that make sense? Um, and I think maybe that, that's another way it's either manifested in my life or just the way I think I don't see it as chaos. I genuinely see it as different kind of stars and different sparkles and different dots that just haven't found the way that they connect. And it's my, it's my job to figure out how I can connect everything that is going on, not just in my brain, but in the world around me and make it into something a little bit more substantial. And I'm a social entrepreneur because a big part of the work I do is to give back. And I also think individuals with ADHD, yes, they're there to make money and thrive, but they're also there to actually make the world a little bit of a better place here and there and to, to help people. And that's something I found in common with a lot of individuals with ADHD is how do I then use this as my superpower to give back in a way that really serves me? That might be through investment, that might be through work, that might be through the podcast, that might be through business, or that might just be through bringing people on the journey with you, whatever it is, it works for you. So, you know, 
if if someone calls it chaos great i thrive in the chaos i thrive in like you know something which is a little bit messy i you know i i have like an organized mess in my own household i'm really good at cleaning and i love to clean and i nitpick certain things but i'm really terrible at organizing my own clothes and actually that is a common adhd trait i'm, I'm mm. terrible at sending invoices right i'm so bad it's not that i don't want the money it's just <laughs> Actually, it's it's really just you just forget to do it but mm. you put me in front of a stage in front of 1200 people i will prep and i'll know what to say and i'll absolutely smash it so you have your your skill sets and your your pros and your cons but once you once you start to identify that that's when you can bring complementary people friends family partners relationships soulmates into your life to say hey actually this is this is that gap that needs filling mm. and i think that's how you also become you know, you're already whole as a person. I don't believe in this like two halves coming to make a whole. I am whole, right? I just need someone else to be a whole and you have like a little Venn diagram where you meet in the middle and you're good. <laughs> Gosh, I mean, I, th I think uh, I, I also don't relate to the, the chaos. I think uh, I might have misspoke. I, I, I said, no, I, what I meant to say was um, we see patterns where other people see chaos. Uh, yeah. So totally relate to you when you see things in dots and you can quite quickly join them up and create the patterns and create the connections to create the synergy from different ideas. And Super that's why related. you're an entrepreneur, right? That's why, that's why I've thrived more in three years of me building my own business and my own brand and giving myself a shot than I have in five years of corporate work, mm. which I think is, if you think about it from a, from a, from a stand back and deep level, it's, it's, it's wild. But also I was in the workforce trying to make a hundred K. You know, honestly, as a business person running, having ADHD, 100K is really easy to make. And that's not me coming from a place of privilege. That's me saying, I'll just give everything a go until it happens, you know? Yeah. And that's okay. Just, I think there'll be a lot of people listening who will be super impressed and inspired by what you're saying. And I count myself as one of them. Is there another side to it that, that, perhaps you're not so public about because if you look at your website and you look at your socials like anyone right you only broadcast the positives um but i think the reality might just be a little bit more balanced like behind the scenes it just do you do you do you burn out sometimes not sometimes regularly i so i'm trying to be a little bit more honest about this online because i think if you see the good you should also showcase the bad but i'm just a believer in that right i burn out regularly so i would say around every quarter i find myself burning out you as 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 beautiful as the highs are the lows really hurt like you crash and it and it and it and it hurts from like an emotional standpoint my anger manifest manifests in, my anger manifests into tears right it's like just too much i can't necessarily i, I don't know what to do with it um i started realizing that i think as a consequence of a few things that happened i now start to stutter and I, I start to make up words, um, which don't actually make sense, but it's, 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 um, I think I'm doing it now. Um, you get, <laughs> you get, um, you, you, you actually find yourself quite, quite anxious. I like, I would say I don't feel stress. I'd say I'm, I'm always, I probably, I'm just a base level of stress, but I, 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 I find myself actually feeling anxiety recently and having to like breathe myself out of it. You also have a bit of comparison where you think, wait, hold on, how come that person's thriving and I'm doing X? And I think also you lack the focus, right? So I think one thing we need to recognize is the way it manifests in my life is if I'm really passionate and super into something, 
but I have a hard deadline and there's pressure involved, I will focus, I'll get it done. But in the way that you run a business, I want to do 10 things, I want to execute 10 things. It's really hard for me just to do one. And so that also limits your own progression, your own proof um, of concept and, and, and just the person that you are. So, you know, I'm, I'm on the brink of burnout, of course. I'm, I'm very honest about it. And I'm not saying it to be like, oh my God, I'm hustle culture brinking of burnout. I'm saying it to let you know that I'm learning what my symptoms are. I'm acknowledging them. I'm scheduling the time off. I'm doing the things that fulfill me. But I'm also letting you know that you have, you have indicators and you just need to know where you are in those indicators when it comes to burnout. You need to be really honest about the fact that this lifestyle is not sustainable. Of course it's not, right? Because you have so much energy that you can give and that you can take. And so what are you doing to manage that accordingly? So your your mental health really does suffer. My brain hurts so much. Like it feels like it's on fire. Um, and there's parts, there's, there's moments where you really don't like yourself. And now it's not because I don't like myself as Sonia, it's because you attach so much worth to giving things a go and 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 running with your ideas and, and kind of the freedom and going with the flow and and just making sure that you're able to execute whatever is in your brain. That the measure of productivity is not how much you're getting done, but oh my God, but I have that idea and it's still stuck in my brain. Why am I not able to just get it down on paper or tell someone about it or do something with it? And those are most definitely the negatives. And you know, as I mentioned, I'm I'm trying to get a lot more honest about it in the way that I can outwardly mm. because it's not fair that on social media you only see a spotlight of success but you don't see you don't see the hard work and the effort and the long nights and the stress and the worry and the and and the consequences that that come with it right adhd is not like a fun trending topic that if you feel like you're not organized you have adhd absolutely not people who actually have it and and it, it actually gets worse over time um uh, I really, really have to have to work on not only managing it and managing yourself, but also managing people around you and setting boundaries and and knowing that there's only so much, so much that you can um, ride out this energy in this wave until one day it's going to crash. And I I know that I don't have years and years and years left of being this energetic, right? And energy is my is my asset. Okay, so how do I start to look after it now so that I live a very healthy and sustainable life where wellness is at the core of everything and do versus just trying to make a quick buck and a quick million today but really burning myself to the ground uh, as mm. a consequence burnout and i suppose the, the 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 flip side of adhd the negatives the the um imposter syndrome the working too much and then coming crashing down the other side like that's something that i'm super aware of in my life and i can really hone in on it and recognize when it's coming and then take my foot off the gas a bit do you feel it when it's just around the corner recently i've started to feel it now my problem my problem is that when i start to feel it you you kind of as an example you mentioned that you put your foot off the gas i accelerate I'm like, I know it's coming. I see you. I see. I see you, but now <laughs> you're there. So I'm just. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do as much as I can, therefore, in this in this short time period, and then and then really rest and recover. Now, I'm not saying that's a healthy habit at all. I'm just saying that's how I currently handle things. So yes, you can. 
it's funny because you spoke about imposter syndrome. Now, I speak a lot about imposter syndrome, but I would say is I very rarely now feel like an imposter. Very rarely. If anything, I'm like, I deserve to be here. I'm deserving of my worth and value. These are the receipts that I bring to the table. This is what my value add is. And this is how I believe that we should be working better together. Give me feedback, criticize me, but respect me. And I think that's really important, right? So it's very rare now that I feel like an imposter, but when I do start to feel like an imposter, you're exactly right. I can feel that sensation in my body. I can feel that it's manifesting in ways that I shouldn't. So that might be social comparison. That might be, um, you know, kind of wallowing over your failure. I don't know if wallowing is a word actually. I might have, is it a word? Yeah, I think, yeah, we'll, we'll okay, say it yeah, is. I think no, sorry. <laughs> if it's not, fine. Um, that might be feeling sorry for yourself, right? And I think when that time comes, what I've learned to do is communicate it to my loved ones around me. It's take myself offline. It's go and do something that gets me out of my comfort zone, but I enjoy. So that might be going on a hike or, you know, walking around nature or just, I mean, starting a YouTube channel, I promise you, was a consequence of me feeling burnt out in my ADHD and being like, ah, I've always wanted to do it. Let me do it now. But that also is about just giving yourself some like self-care and, and time. And I'm not, I, you know, that's not just face masks. That for me is reading fiction. That for me is making sure I'm drinking enough water a day. That's making sure that I have the vitamins that I need. Um, it's dressing it to, to please myself and to be comfortable. But it's also just eating right, right? I mm. think what you consume is a big part of how you can look after yourself and 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 you know like i said i don't want the magic the magic pills to do anything i'm not going to take them but i want to know what are the natural ways that i can um manage myself sustain this lifestyle and 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 just make sure that i'm growing in a in a healthy way versus letting it take over me one of the costs i found of working the way i do and the way my brain works is that i really struggle to find and maintain friendships do you That's have... weird, honestly, because I'm looking at you from the outside as someone who's been following you for a while and I'm sitting there thinking, you must have so many friends and you must be super social and like, you know, do you know what I mean? There's, there's such a... Um, actually, the, the fact you said that is actually really shocking to me. I don't I... know why, but it is. I, for sure. I mean, I've got... I would say even acquaintances I don't really have many of. Um, I'm really bad at uh, maintaining friendships. I have had many friends over the years, but the effort to maintain that friendship becomes too much. And I get distracted by a new friend and then my old friend sail, you know, drops off a cliff and there, and it, it's quite upsetting. So I look back at the amount of people I've just let go. Mm. Um, and speaking to people with ADHD, it's a, I can see a trend and it's a clear thing. It's just like, with some of my business projects, I just get really obsessed and hyper fixate on a business project or a person. And that can be a very short term friendship. And then quite suddenly, not interested anymore. Oh and my God. Be I'm just sitting here going through all my friendships being like, hmm, yeah, that sounds, sounds a little bit like me. But I think I, I would question that and just counter that and say, is it that you get so, so with the, the the shiny thing syndrome and object thing, you know, the, I don't know what the saying is. I think there's a shiny thing syndrome. I have that too. I have that mm. with business ideas and I have it with, oh my God, I'm not going to, oh, that, that look, let me go grab that. Let me go grab that. That is probably why 
yes, I've done a lot, but I haven't done as much as I could have if I had not run after the shiny thing. But I think with friendships, may I ask you and kind of counter that, is it that the new friend comes along or is it that you feel so tired of trying to make a friendship work and then once you get disrespected, you're like, well, do you know what? I just don't care anymore that, that, you, that you move on. I don't think there's any disrespect there. If, if actually the opposite, if I looked at my WhatsApps, there's, and I scroll down, there's probably 50 messages from people that I've been friends with over the years, just trying to follow up with me and trying to arrange a lunch or on a Friday night out or something. And I just ignore it. And I know they're there. Um, but I just but whatever- in your mind, in your mind, do you think that you've replied back? Because that's the technology that I'm waiting for is where I think of something and it can just reply back to my WhatsApp straight away. <laughs> it's just because my mind is not there my mind is obsessed with something else right now it's the podcast and there's always you know I do a lot of a lot of projects and my I just don't have the mental capacity to maintain a social life and or to maintain friendships right because you can maintain a social life just virtually you can reply to someone I can't do it do you feel guilt like do you feel guilt of not doing that occasionally because a couple couple of times a friend of mine passed away um about and i looked back at the communication between me and that person and i had done what i'm talking about and then i had a phone call saying that what had happened had happened and yeah then in that situation it is awful Um, and do you think that's do you think that's developed over time so what i mean by that is do you think it was the same in your 20s as it is in your 30s no, it's a clear trend. I look back to my school days and my university days and my days where I used to work in London for a, and and today it's the present. It's the same pattern. I, I, I can become really friendly with someone and I can go for a drink with them. I can go out for dinner with them. I can have a phone call with them weekly and then suddenly I'm just not interested and I just abandon that person. I think that's really interesting. I would... I would be brave enough to say that until I'm going to say I until maybe I was so so I think what really changed my life was um when I was 20 I was given the opportunity to go to Italy for the year for Erasmus and it was life changing and because that was the first time in my whole life I'd ever lived out by myself or I was tested against my values or I was open and embracing new cultures I think the friends I made there really taught me how to look at life slightly differently. Prior to that, I was always trying to be a cool kid, but not a cool kid. So I was actively, I think, associated with like really toxic individuals who I was just trying to be like, oh my God, why aren't you my friend? Let's be friends, let's be best friends. And maybe a big part of that was my own insecurities with myself. Because I felt different, because I was different, I was maybe trying to find that fulfillment externally and not looking internally. But when I went, when I, when I went to, so, so, you know, when I went on the trip and I came back, I think because I had the self-confident enough, actually mine was different is that I didn't need friends anymore, right? Prior to my 20, my 20s, I needed friends. I was like, oh my God, I need you all. After that, I didn't need them. And I think that's what changed is because I didn't need them. Maybe to your point, and if I reflect back, I didn't feel the need to constantly be in touch. Like they would reply, you know, on my WhatsApp as an example, my WhatsApp business, I have an automatic out of office. But my close friends know that if they need me, they have to ring me. And if I'm posting online, it's not personal. I'm not replying back to you. I'm running a business and I have to be like, I'm an online, you know, influential person now. But I, but I stopped needing people and needing friends. 
and I completely understand what you're saying my relationships with other people changed and and maybe I did have new friends that came in absolutely and I can remember very very clear moments of that where they come in for like three four months you have a great time you think you're besties and then you never hear from them again and you have no relationship with them and you have no idea what they're doing with their life right and I think I'm a big believer of like people come into your life for a reason so I think every time that happened I've learned something from that individual right that might be actually not how, how not to pick friends recently what that's been is don't go into business with people that you don't fully trust make sure that you have contracts in place otherwise you're going to get screwed over all the way to have a focus and focus on your business first and don't chase the glitter right so i think that that's learn but i i love what you've said and actually i'm going to take it away to see if that's how a lot of my friendships have maybe my brain has just told the story differently right which is mm. which is a really fair comment to make like your brain plays tricks on you so maybe i haven't taken it the same way that you're suggesting and my brain has created this whole another version of the truth that doesn't really exist because that makes me feel safer or maybe that's how it's looked after me and that's another way in which your brain is different or your 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 kind of neurodiversity manifests itself is your brain plays play, plays tricks on you but mm. Now that you're saying that, yeah, there are a few people that I really wanted to be friends with and that I went out of my way for. And then at some point I just stopped replying back to and they stopped replying back to me. And that was all right. For me, I think, I mean, that's super interesting. For me, my my best friend is probably someone I, I see once every 10 years. Uh, and then we meet up and it's like no time has passed. And we don't even acknowledge the fact that 10 years has passed. And I'm being genuinely serious. Um, I won't say his name, but there's someone who I'm really good friends with. And I didn't see him for 10 years. And then we, I went around his house and just sat down and started playing Those computer are games my again. my best friends too. My best friends, exactly to your point, are the ones that I don't speak to every way. Don't know what's going on every day. But we, we make time for, even if it's just to show up for the good moments. But you know, your best friends are the ones that show up for your bad moments. So I know that when I have a bad moment, I will message my friends and I will now ask things, which I never used to ask, being like, do you have the capacity for this? Do you have the space for this? I, I just need to like go through this one, two, three thing with you. But I think at the same time, I think it's because of maybe I'm very blessed to have a sister and my sister and I have a seven years difference. But I think in the last few years, my sister has really become my best friend. And I'm really like best friends with my mom, which... If you asked the younger me, I would have never said, okay? If you asked like the teen me, I'd be like, I would never be best friends with my mom and I'd never be best friends with my sister, but it's different. And so I think that's that's the changes I've seen in me is, you know what? I don't really need the external friendships or validation. Now that I have time and energy to give, I try and really, really actively try and go home and spend it with my family. Um, and I've, I'm, you know, I'm very blessed to have the most beautiful niece in the world. And I want to be a part of her life. So I think, I think for me, I don't know if it's friendship, so I'm really going to go and um, unpack this my, myself personally, but I think my priorities have changed. Mm. And that that's quite cool, I think, maybe. For sure. It's a huge topic, friendships. And, it, and it's actually, you're the first guest on this podcast that I brought it up with because I found a... I found a corner of the internet where it was mentioned, the link between ADHD and uh, oh. diff difficulty in maintaining friendship. It's really funny because recently I've started talking a lot about friendships and heartbreak. And, you know, people are talking about heartbreak. I'm like, no, but heartbreak can happen with friendships as well. Like, I remember literally being heartbroken because certain friends would not reply back to me or they ghosted me or you lost 
your you know your friendship with them but then a couple of months maybe years later i remember it was the best thing to happen to me because they were holding you down or you were having to conform and i think it goes back to my conversation about masking right i think maybe they haven't manifested in the same way or maybe i haven't been aware of it is because i too was masking to try and fit into these crowds and I was changing myself to be a version of them. And so when it started getting exhausting for me or it just didn't align with my values or the real me started to come out, I saw these friendships start to crumble. And yes, then you'd go and find another friend, right? At some point, and especially when possibly, you know, because I've had a, a fair bit of like my own version of trauma that's relevant to me, but also losing my job and, and other various bits, you know, over the pandemic, especially, I think the pandemic really, for me at least, gave me an insight into how you keep in touch with people, who you wanna keep in touch with and, and how you're there for people's bad times more than good times. And that probably changed my whole version of friendships. And, you know, equally, when I tend to get more isolated and lonely, I try and, you know, find the shiny friend and, and then you get burned really quickly. So I think I'm just at a point now where I'm like, I'm kind of tired of being burnt. I'm kind of tired of feeling like I need validation from you. And I'm kind of tired of having to justify myself and you know what, I'm good. And maybe I'm good by myself and I'm just, I'm learning to be alone and I'm learning to be bored and I'm learning to listen to myself and I'm learning to, I'm, I'm just, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm just, I'm just dating Sonia right now, which is really weird every time I say it out loud, but I think people will be able to understand that sometimes you just have to spend time with yourself to see who you really are, or who you want to be or who you're becoming. And, and that's maybe where I am right now. And that's probably because I've only recently started talking very openly about my version of mental health or my version of ADHD or how it manifests. And, you know, I don't want to be, let's say, a, a full-fledged spokesperson, but I definitely want to make sure that my experiences are relative and relevant to someone else's story, but also I'm giving myself the chance to be honest with myself. So a big part of me coming on this show today even was probably a form of therapy you know mm. in, in, in a weird way to say the, the more that i can be honest to you i can start being honest with myself and then i can start um i can start living with a little bit more le with 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 less weight and pressure and, and 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 worries i think you mentioned earlier that you didn't fear rejection um and and I, th I think you said then that, that when you had friends that they might have ghosted you or not replied oh, to you so badly do you, oh I mean, how do you do you how do you react in personal rejection i don't know i mean i'm i mean i do know and do you know what this is probably that moment where someone's gonna be like you're such a bag but i was actually a bag right <laughs> i was like genuinely a bag i was that person once upon a time, I remember it so clearly that like sent essays on top of essays that like would ring that would be like, oh, my God, is everything OK? That would like I I probably just when a friendship was breaking and I was getting rejected, I would be that beg in that relationship where I was like, oh, my God, like, is it me? What have I done? Um, and then I would just send text on text on text on text on text. And then after I got ghosted a little bit more, I'd wake up and I'd be like, ah, I don't care anymore. And I think that's that's maybe what you were not alluding to, but maybe that's how it showed up for me is, ah, 
okay, well, you've ghosted me, cool. And then my, my, maybe my ego would come into play, right? And then my, my ego would first be like, how can you reject me? And then I'm like trying to be your bestie. And then at some point my ego is like, ah, okay, do you know what? You don't want to be my friend. That's cool. I don't really need you. And then I just go on on my way. And it's really easy for me to forget stuff. I don't know if it is for you, but like, I think the, there's the pro and the con of ADHD is you're really good at forgetting things. And mm. so there are genuinely people and moments and, and placements in my life that I've just forgotten. And I'm like, ah, okay, well, I'm going to forget you as well, because you don't really need that space in my brain or my, my heart or my soul. And I'm going to, I'm going to leave you. But, but in simple terms, when I was rejected from a friendship standpoint, I was unfortunately, and I don't want to be this honest about things, but unfortunately I'm very honest about things, which is probably what ADHD does to me. Um, <laughs> I was an absolute beg. And then when I felt like it wasn't reciprocated and I took a step back and I understood my worth, then I was like, you know what, it's your loss and it's not mine. And then I just waddled along and I just moved on. That's it. I moved on. I'm, I'm, the, the weird thing is there's certain moments that you hold on, right? And there's a little bit of grief that you always have. I have a lot of grief and I hold on to moments that I maybe shouldn't hold on to. But I don't have any grief or any resentment or any holding on when it comes to friendships. I'm really good at forgetting people and letting people go and moving on. Wow. Yeah, so relatable. We're, we're, we are, we have an inability to dwell on things or remember really big events, really big friendships. Yeah. And, and it, it's, a, it's a blessing and a curse because A, you're, you can move on with your life and you can focus on the next thing because it's not weighing you down. But then you can smell something and it can all come flooding back and you can just burst oh, into... the smells, the... It's... Oh, do you know? Yes, recently. I'm so glad... Do you actually mean literal smells? Because recently I've been literally smelling things and hearing music. Music is also really, like... It evokes something I didn't know before. Um, music, smells, um, food, taste... I've been like really getting back into my senses and I'm like, wow, okay, you know what? I heard this song and it reminded me of this moment, but I've forgotten about this moment for like 25 years. Why did it even come up? You know, I, I tasted this bit of food and it's unlocked something, but I've recently started doing that purposely. So I've recently started trying to go back into my childlike self. So a really good example is that for Mother's Day, I spent it with my mom and my auntie and we went to, um, we went to Hobbycraft and I bought coloring pencils and paper and I started drawing and then I went to the cinema with them and I haven't done that in years or you know I've started to learn how to swim again and I say learn how to swim again because I used to swim actively until a certain point and now I just forgotten it or I know it's a weird one but I didn't used to be a big fan of Subway over the last few years but the last week I've had it twice because you know what there was a there was a reason why I stopped having it so I've actively gone back to see if I can unlock these memories and see if that's why currently my brain feels stuck. And I keep trying to tell people and no one believes me or understands. I just feel stuck. My brain is stuck. It, it's like the, it, it requires a next level of activation, but it's just not getting there. It's, it's just, I don't know what it is. It feels stuck and it feels heavy and it feels like just, just something's there. And so I'm actively trying to do things that I would have done as a kid now as an adult to see if I can maybe unstuck it in a way and see if there's something that I need to unlock 
which mm. I think when you start to become more in tune with your body and your brain, you start to realize these things. Absolutely. There's so much that's locked in our heads, I think, that, it, that the tiniest thing can unlock it, like you said, a sound or a smell. Yeah, and that's Pandora's box, right? Like, have you heard the science behind it? So if, you're, if you went through something that you either weren't ready for or it's traumatic in some way or your body didn't react um, positively, you know, you have a bunch of kind of black boxes and Pandora boxes in your own brain and your brain does that to keep you safe and secure. But then there'll be one moment without you realizing that just unlocks a little bit and then you unlock a little bit more. But I think for for entrepreneurs, it's it's really healthy and it's really important. And, you know, there's a lot of, um, I, I mean, recently I've been doing a lot of like, there's a lot of conversations in entrepreneur circles that I go to around drugs and psychedelics and and the, the unlocking of these things because it helps you activate to a new level. Um, and I, I think there's, you know, that there's relevancy to everything in 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 terms of herbal well-being, um, just because you because your your brain works differently, you're creative. You have to therefore find creative methods to like unlock what a neurotypical person would um sonia wow thank you so much for your honesty your time and your bravery in sharing your story today with us i think um i feel super privileged to hear you say what you've said today and i'm sure the listeners will as well thank you so much ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, People that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.